let's turn back to Psalm 12 just for a moment. Let this be a foundation of the springboard in the message of Psalm 12. My heart's burdened by this. Psalm 12, verse number 1, we find a heart crying here. And I, I presume that everybody in this room, every man in this room, your heart is burdened for what's going on in your culture and in your generation. America is not too far behind what's going on even here in New Zealand. Um, and we will go through all the statistics now. But if anything, I pray that God would use this to encourage us to have a burden. And in spite of whether truth or the Bible or the church, Christianity is popular or not, that we will not gauge what we're doing based on popularity. Rather, we're based on the person of Jesus Christ and the principles of God's Word. And we have a gut within us that says, we will stand Amen. and we will stay the course and we will live for God, whether it's popular or not, because Amen. we know it's exactly what our culture needs. Notice in Psalm 12, Psalm 12, verse number 1, if you're there, would you say amen? amen. Help, Lord! Isn't that the cry that we need today? Yep. God, we need a visitation. God, we need to touch. God, we need you to do something in our culture because we're going the wrong direction. Man, do we have a heart cry for God? How desperate are we for the Lord to shape our civilization and God to bring us back to where we were once before? Help, Lord, why? For the godly man ceaseth. For the faithful fail from among the children of men, they speak vanity, everyone with his neighbor. With flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. Let's pray and then we'll get these things. Father, we're here to just be sensitive to what you have for us in this afternoon session, this split session. I pray that you would burden hearts, that you would burn within hearts, a desire to continue to stay faithful, to be godly, to, to be righteous and holy in this wicked day in which we live. We ask the Spirit of God for a fresh anointing. We need your power. I cannot preach. I'm insufficient, Lord. I'm not able to. But, Lord, I know that you have a message. And I pray that you use me as your vessel and as your voice. Please speak through me. Minister through me. And I pray that you would encourage us all to stay faithful to the finish. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Psalm 12, verse number 1, he says, For the godly man sees it. You stop and think about the need for a godly man in a, a godless world. Why is there a need for a godly man? Because men are quick. The godly men are ceasing. Some that have been faithful, or some that were born and raised in a Christian home. It's appalling even to break down the statistics of those in New Zealand that went to church when they were young, that decided to turn their back on the house of God, to stop and think about the direction and the massive, come on now, shift of our culture. And the rise of people, especially my age, with the 25 to 40 year olds, that does not want to be identified with the things of God. That should bother us. That should burn something within us. That should burden us to say, Oh God, we're not going the wrong direction. And we're no longer, as we can borrow from the previous message, asleep or stand idly by or doing nothing. God, we need you to show up and we need you to do a work. The godly men are ceasing. There are people that identify as Christians and they're throwing in the towel and they're turning their back on God. Notice the Bible says the faithful fail in verse number one. The faithful among the children of men. This word fail means to vanish. The people that are seeking to stay faithful, this was the problem in his generation in Psalm 12, and I believe that we can find similar context of what's going on in our generation as well. Not only are men quitting, but men are cowering. Men are cowering. They're vanishing. They were once faithful. They were once on the front lines. They were once involved with church. They were once doing this and that together for the things of God, but they have begun to blend in and the influx of the carnality of the things of this world and all of the stuff that's taking place with the compromise in our generation. 
Uh, they have decided no longer are we going to be faithful and standing up front like we ought to, leading our homes and leading our churches, leading our families, but rather now the faithful are failing religiously. They are blending in. I believe there's a lot of blending in our generation today. I'll just speak for America. There's a lot of blending. Right, brother? There's a lot of us. We're ashamed of the Bible. We're just going to blend in. We don't want to take a stand any longer on the King James Version. We're just going to go ahead and blend in. Uh, we're ashamed even of Jesus. And I say, they say, no, they wouldn't be ashamed of Jesus. Yes, they are, because actions speak out of the words. When you start canceling evangelistic outreaches, when you start changing times of how aggressive you are on soul winning, it's showing the world that you are ashamed of Jesus. Someone who's unashamed of Jesus is going to be proactive in their ways. Yep. I'm not trying to be difficult or mean or nasty or cutting with my tongue or critical of anyone. But I think someone who genuinely is excited about the Lord is to look for any opportunity as God would give unto them to be a soul winner and to be a witness in this world. They're not canceling yep. opportunities for outreach. And I'm concerned because of what I see in America. There is a massive shift within the past 15 years of churches that were once evangelistic where now they're self-sufficient and just coasting. And I believe that it's a testimony of shame. They're failing and they're vanishing. They were once stepping up, and now they're stepping back. A lot of blending, a lot of bending in the knee, a lot of blurring of the lines, even people being bashful, ashamed of the Bible, ashamed of Jesus, ashamed of their errors. Listen, I am more than thrilled and more than privileged. I'm grateful that I'm an independent fellow of us. Separated, seeking the Lord in these things, wanting to be proactive with godly conviction. I'm thankful for my marriage. And I don't know if this rings a bell with you, but in America there has been a shifting in my age group, especially where we're trying to abandon our roots and leave behind those men of God and churches of God that faithfully held the line and were faithful. That's a problem. And I'm bothered by it. I think this was demonstrated and it's easily described here in the Word of God. We find that he was bothered up with this too. He's saying, help the Lord God, we need your help. The godly man sees that men are quitting, men are cowering, for the faithful fail. They were once on the front lines, they were distinguished, you could see them, but now they're vanishing, they're blending in with all the influx of everything that's taking place among the children of men. Notice in verse number two, they speak vanity, every one of his name. With flattering lips and with a double heart, do they speak? What is this talking about? There are men that are changing up what they say and how they say what they say so they can be buddies with everybody else. They're speaking vanities. They know what they're saying is hollow. It has no substance. But I'm going to say it to my neighbor because I just want to get along with my neighbor and not rock the boat. I don't want to offend anybody. I'm going to go ahead and speak with lips and the heart in such a way where I know that it's supposed to be one way, but I'm going to say it somewhere, somewhere else and be double-hearted in what I'm presenting, what I'm sharing. And I will speak with such a way that what I'm saying makes them feel good. It's flattering. But I know it's not on the firm foundation of what matters. What's this all insinuating? Men are compromising. Yep. We know it's right, but we're not saying and speaking of what needs to be said. Yep. God deliver us from this. Amen. I pray that God would help us all to not quit. I pray that God would help us all not cower or blend in to go along with just the status quo of everything else in Christianity or churches across our nation and our generation. That 
We serve a risen Savior. We'll get more to that later this week. Lord, when they need him tonight, maybe we don't serve a dead God. But as we worship and exalt God, we praise him. He is thrilled by hearing the praises of his children. God, help us be singing. Amen. God, help us to be worshiping. Amen. God, help us to be praise-filled men. That's what our children need to see. A man of God of the home who's exalting the name of Jesus and worshiping and praising and magnifying the name and the person of our God. Filled with praise. Not filled with complaining. Filled with cursing. I pray that there's nobody in here that has a cursing problem. It's wicked. Complaining, wicked spirit. A lack of contentment. I wish I had this, I wish I had that. Our kids don't really hear that. Your wife, your fiance, if you've got one, <laughs> your future bride, whoever that may be, I don't even know who she is, may deserve to hear young men, men, each and every one of us who are magnifying our God, filled with praise. And he was so excited about this. He said, I will sing, I will sing, I will sing unto thee, O Lord of us. Psalm 104, just a page over maybe in your Bible. Psalm 104, verse number 33. I turned a page to get to this, but notice, notice how intense he was on this. We should always read the Bible through the view, through the visor of intensity, because it is an intense book. Notice verse number 33. I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. Wow. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. As long as there's breath in my body, I'm exalting him. I'm not exalting self, I'm not magnifying your career. And so on and so forth by way of application that we could stop and talk about, but we have a lot of ways to get through. Hey, I'm going to magnify and exalt and worship and praise and adore and sing unto my God. And he had something that couldn't be contained. He had to let it out. He had something that he could not be quiet about. This is what our community needs to hear. This is what our generation, our life, and our children should hear and see. Men who are exalting and magnifying Christ. Moving on now, notice the Bible says in verse number 2 of Psalm 101. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Later on, he says, I will walk with my house in a perfect heart. Number two, I believe in God, the man of God, this world. Number two is faithful in principle. Faithful in principle. He's faithful in principle. I will behave myself wisely. Behavior is not just a hit and saying, Oh, where's my gold star? I did one good thing in my life with Jesus. No, but it is a, it's, a, it's, it's an attitude. It's a way of being. It's a state of living. Behavior. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. A way implies a series of footsteps. God help us to be men that will be faithful in our principle. Now let's break this apart. Notice the Bible says, I will behave myself wisely. Wisely in a perfect way. This word wisely means
Amen. He can strengthen us to be Amen. consistent. If we come to the Lord saying, God, I cannot do it. I'm not self-sufficient. I need to be dependent on you. Oh, God, my Savior, help me to be consistent. I believe that God can give us the strength to be consistent. And when we do so, then we fall. Let us not put up a false front of pride or arrogance. But be willing to acknowledge to our children and to our spouses, even to our people that we are engaged with, or we pastor and say, you know what? I have feeling like I messed up. I know that's not how it should have been done. Forgive me for that. Can you pray for Daddy? That Daddy would do that? Can you pray for us? Pray for me. That I'll have to be a man of God. That I'll have to be. Would you pray for your pastor? Or you pray for your preacher? Amen. Let's not elevate ourselves in some place of pedestal. Thinking that we're an untouchable. God forbid. God forbid. But rather, he would seem to be consistent with his conviction that he got from the word of God. And when, I believe, we're not consistent, we ought to acknowledge that and say, Lord, you're the same yesterday and today and forever. You don't change. I shouldn't change either. Help me, God, to stay faithful with how you have to live my life. We've used a word called compromise. We'll throw this in here. It was not on my radar, but it was kind of being like a, out of nowhere. Compromise. What is compromise? Here's the definition. I don't know there's no good truth out of the psalm, but this is the way that, that it helps me. It's something that just worded it this way. Compromise is when I change my mind about something God has not changed his mind about. That's compromise. The word of God will be timeless. Yep. By the way, it's all relevant, always relevant. Yep. It's true that you are to all generations. I mean, everything we need is in that book. Praise the Lord. It's not outdated or inspired. Yep. And. But compromise is when I decide, you know what? I don't agree with that anymore. I don't think that's right. I right. was too strict, too strong of an approach to things. I think I, eh, never mind. I'm going to go this way instead. Compromise is when I change my mind about something God has not changed his mind about. This can be applied to so much, and I'm not going to get into specifics, but maybe there's a specific or two that's popping up in New York. Maybe there's an issue that you struggle with in the church. Maybe there's something in an undercurrent among the brethren. Hey, maybe encourage each other to stay faithful to the timeless truth of the Word of God. And instead of getting in people's faces about stuff, man, just point to the Word of God and help them, help them to see what the Word of God says. Because this is the foundation of everything we do as we function. Amen. We need the Word of God. Just throw that in there for what it's worth. Just kind of get it over. Notice number three. Number three, moving along quickly. I appreciate you listening so attentively after a great meal. It's always hard to preach after, after a meal. Uh, Charles Spurgeon once said, oh, the, he, he thought some afternoon services were a waste of time. He said, you know what? He said, why should I get up there and try to preach when I'm fighting against, you know, the ham? And the potatoes that are sitting in men's eyes. You know, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm not going to be able to win. He said, the master of the hour is the meal that people just feast it on. And so he didn't like to have any service. But everybody's doing great right here. I see some of you pinching yourself. You know, feel free to take the, the, the cap off the pen. And just... <laughs> 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 man, I'm just joking. Uh, anyway, it's hard. It's hard. I understand. You're doing great. Number three, a little bit of a, an interesting word in here. I believe that you'll see this very clearly in Scripture. Number three, a godly man in a godless world is frenzied. Frenzied, F-R-E-N-Z-I-E-D. At least that's the American spelling of it. He's frenzied for God's presence. You say, what on earth? Where are you getting that from? Notice it says in verse number two, 
When you start going down that path, what you develop, what this thing's real, what develops is that you have a, a radius in all reality. There is zero. It's completely pure. It's wonderful. But then you have a Now, this is really bad to pick this up. And then when you have a white to a black and you journey and track, you go to gray areas. You've got zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And it's really wicked. Zero is not bad at all. It's completely clean. But then what happens is that we in our flesh are coming up with landing points where we think things should be established. And we set the standard of what we should accept and not accept. Wrong. It should not be about us trying to accept what we want to accept or not. It should be about the Lord having control and God setting the right. vision through His Word. See, where are we going with all this? The Bible says, we should live this way, men. I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. See, that principle and conviction takes care of all the standards. No longer am I like, okay, it's not that bad, I think it's going to be fine. Hey, if it's got anything questionable, I ain't doing it.
watch and allow to influence you, you will one day become those things if you do not get victory over those things. And the devil is so subtly trying to capture our spirits, even with movies or entertainment on television that we may think is not that bad. May God help us to be fervent. We're going to fight for it for purity and holiness. Marriage. Notice letter B. He's saying no to the compromisers. No to the compromisers. Verse number three, he says, I hate the work of them that turn aside. It should not cleave to me. There are people that I, I, I once was friends with and once in sweet fellowship with, but they have decided to change their mind and turn aside from the way things should be done. Now I'm still going to love them and things, but I'm not going to have any dealings with them and fellowship with them. Say, man, this guy is intense. Yes, he is. How intense are you desiring to do things with God? Notice letter C. He's saying no to the criminals. A forward heart shall depart from me. I will not know a wicked person. I'm not hanging out with that kind of crowd. Amen? We're not, those are not our friends. But rather, we're going to reach people. We're going to see people saved. And as people get saved, man, we're going to let the Lord uh, use this to be a testimony to help them as they get discipled. And I'm not going to just go down the street corner and hang out with the harlots and go hang out with the Does that make sense? I'm not going to hang out with the whole crowd. Be careful who your friends are. I'm talking especially to the young men in this room. He says in verse number 5, Whoso privately slander his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that hath a high look and a proud heart will not I suffer. Letter B, he's saying no to the critical. The critical, the people that have a tongue on them that are speaking ill of others. Be careful. Be careful. Hey, there's a lot of good Baptist brethren in America, but there's a lot of them that have a critical heart and a critical tongue. I don't want any dealings with them. I'm not going to speak against them, but I don't want that to influence me. I want to be godly and Christ-like in my spirit. Letter E, he's saying no to the conceited or people that are arrogant and full of themselves. He says, notice in uh, uh, the next part here, uh, the second part of verse number 5, him that has a high look and a proud heart, I'm not going to suffer. I don't want that to influence me or affect me. Letter F, he's saying no to the crafty, people that are trying to manipulate and trying to work an angle to do wrong. Uh, verse number uh, 7 says this, He that worketh deceit shall not dwell within my house. He that telleth lies shall not tear in my sight. Be careful who influences you. Big number 5, we're almost through. Notice, uh, he's going to fellowship with the right kind of people. Fellowship, that's the big number point. Fellowship with the right kind of people. Verse number 6, he says, Mine eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land. They that dwell, they will dwell with me. He that walketh in a perfect way, he shall serve me. The people that I want influencing me and around me are the people that are doing right and seeking the Lord and seeking to honor God just as I'm trying to do as well. 2 Timothy 2.22 says this, and you can jot that down in your notes if you like. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace. Follow with them that call on the Lord out of the pure hearts. Hang out with the right kind of people. You know, all the compromisers, by the way, all the compromisers out there, uh, they're calling uh, living like this. Well, we're going to hang out with the right kind of people. They call this living in an echo chamber. Oh, you're just going to surround yourself with people who think like you. No, it's not about that. Well, you're isolating yourself. No, no, I'm not interested in dialoguing with you and trying to discuss with you what I think you're wrong and I'm right or I'm right or I'm wrong and you're right, whatever. Be careful who your friends are. 
And lastly, we'll be through. This is a man, a godly man of about this world, he fights to prevail. I don't really know how to describe verse number eight, but just simply saying that. This guy is intense. He says, I will early destroy all the wicked of the land. <laughs> and he's fighting. Amen. He says, that I may cut off all the wicked doers of the city of the Lord. God give us men that are going to stand up and not let the wicked rule and the wicked prevail. We need men that are going to run for public office. We need men that are going to stand up at education board meetings and in the library and places like this and go in the gap and say, you know what? I want to stand for God and get influence and an investment of righteousness and holiness in this world. There are gaps all over New Zealand that need to be filled. Yep. And if we do not stand up as men of God, someone will fill it. Yep. And it will not be a God man. We must fight to prevail. Do you have a battle plan of how you're going to tackle your community for Christ? And capture the hearts of men. The Bible says in Jude 3, earnestly contend for the faith. We have something worth fighting for. Amen? Amen. And if it's something worth fighting for, then it's something worth dying for. I don't know if anybody who's going to fight for something that they don't believe in. And then they're willing to let their blood be sold for it. Are you willing to die for this book? I hope it will be true in my life. I've never been tested with this, but I pray that it will be true in my life. A godly man in a godless world fights for today. Well, there's a lot of things to think about. Let's go ahead and pray and seek the Lord. Father, thank you so much for this time. And Lord, just this moment that we have, this split session to discuss these things together. You said, come now, let us reason together. And that's how we've approached this hour. I've not looked at it as a preaching service. But Father, we've looked at it as a time to be able to commune our hearts together around my word. 